five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Oh 
בן דוד בוא אלו בהסך הדס, אלו בהסך הדס, אין בן דוד בוא אלו בהסך הדס. אין בן דוד בוא אלו בהסך הדס, אלו בהסך הדס, אין בן דוד בוא אלו בהסך הדס.
J.M. in the A.M. Good morning and welcome to a Friday Erev Shabbos. Thanks for joining us, everybody. I welcome all of you from around the world. Feel free to comment on the NSN app. Check in by going to the uh, NSN, Nahum Single Network app for Android and iPhone. Comment away. Let us know where you are, etc., etc. Someone last night uh, commented, uh, first of all, toward the end of yesterday's live lunch, we had a great, great message from Marietta, Georgia, and I want to thank that listener. Um, who mentioned how often they are listening to NSN from Marietta, Georgia. It's such a great feeling. And then somebody commented on the uh, JMNAM archive, which means yesterday's show with her by FAS. Amen, brother from Beersheba. <laughs> for the more I listen, it's harder for me to understand why you are still making fake Aliyah. First of all, thank you for referencing the um, the term we created, fake Aliyah, with all the Nefesh Benefesh flights we've been on. But yeah, I agree with you, and I I think I pointed it out in that interview with Rafes what kind of hypocrite I am. But nonetheless, 
I'm being serious when I say I really appreciate you checking in from Beersheba, and we are really, really excited as more and more people are um, uh, tuning in from around the world and discovering NSN, and it's an amazing feeling. Friday morning on this June 28th, the 25th of Sivan, it's Erev Shabbos Parsha Shlach with candle lighting in New York at 8.11. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh Tammuz tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh will be Wednesday and Thursday, and of course Thursday is the uh, 4th of July. Uh, we're getting into a holiday week. And I thank all of you for tuning in. Don't forget, our uh, spring fundraiser is going to come to an abrupt close at some point in the next few days. If you haven't yet supported uh, JM and the AM and the Nachum Siegel Network during 2019, please be as generous as possible. Uh, go to uh, fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org, and please become a sponsor, a supporter of ours here at the Nachum Siegel Network. Achenu had Alcha Mosayach. You heard the Musaf Kedusha from Schlock Rocks Shabbat in Liverpool. Shalshelis Jr. with Hema, Lachado Didam by the Moshav Band. Yassi Green's Hesachadas, Netzach Israel from Yaakov Shweki, and of course Regesh. Modani opening things up, and we say good morning. 75 degrees, 65% humidity, winds in northeast at two miles an hour. Mostly sunny in New York today with a high. Of 91.1, clear tonight, low 74. Tomorrow afternoon, thunderstorms and a high Shabbos, 92 degrees. Oh, gosh. It's going to be a hot one tomorrow. Uh, and today, 81 in Yerushalayim up in Guilford, New York. Our friends at Camp Missora are in the midst of staff orientation. They're at 56 degrees on their uh, orientation Friday. The uh, campers show up on Monday. That's the case in a lot of places. Our friends at Camp Hask, they're already in full swing. The campers are up there. And they are in full swing for Shabbat number one of Camp Hask up in Parksville, New York. So best regards to everybody at Hask this morning here at JM in the AM. And 75 degrees here in New York City as we say good morning at JM in the AM. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Don't forget Malcolm Homeline is going to join us. The weekly update is at 740 Eastern Time. There is, of course, plenty to talk about. Um, so we'll do that coming up um, at 7.40 Eastern Time this morning. Rabbi Yudin at 8.15 with Parsha Shlach. Miriam L. Wallach's going to join me. A couple of, uh, I mean, there, there, there's, there are many, many donors to this radio broadcast that we want to thank. But there are a couple in particular I want to mention. She'll help me do that later on in the 7 o'clock hour. And Charlie Harari's checking in in the 8 o'clock hour at 8.35 this morning. Don't miss it. He made quite a presentation at Camp Hask this week for their staff. And it spurred me to... Um, Bring him on for a couple of important messages that'll happen on this final Friday of June as we get into the summer months uh, at about 8.35 this morning here at JM in the AM. All right, so there you go. Plenty happening. Glad you're with us. Uh, I thank you for uh, for tuning in and being part of this great radio experience. And now, Gershon Varoba at JM in the AM. Malkinu 
והמצאי לי, והמצאי לי, ולכל בני ויסי, ולכל בני ויסי, ולכל בני ויסי. וזוהי נויסי קוידם שאצטו גודך לוהר, קוידם שאצטו גודך
Shalom, Mater, and Mater. 
Show them all it's true. Let them come and join. 
that treasure and he's kept it in his life Shared it with his family, his children and his wife They learn new things each day to live the Torah way The message of one Shabbos here to stay And now I never miss a chance to stop and look around Invite some people home to share the sights and sounds Of Shabbos candlelight and Zmiro's Friday night And get to see a Jewish soul ignite Just one Shabbos and we'll all be free Shabbos Project, come and join with me We'll sing and dance to the sky with our spirits so high We will show them all it's true, let them come and J.M. and the A.M. Friday morning on this Erev Shabbos. Thanks for tuning in. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listener-sponsored digital radio. Around the world on the web at NachumSingle.com and the NachumSingle Network. And, of course, on the beloved NSN app. And I thank you all for tuning in. Um, reminder that... Um, if you haven't yet participated in our 2019 fundraiser, please do so by going to fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org, and being as generous as possible. And we thank you. Candlelighting at 8.11 in New York on the Sarah Shabbos Parsha Shlach. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Tammuz will be Wednesday and Thursday. Wednesday and Thursday, Rosh Chodesh. Galit Sal in the background. Galit Sal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Friday era of Shabbos is next. We say Boker Tov from Jenny. Leitahal Hashash Taim. Tzoraim Tovim, Baulpan, Ehud Graf, Im Mashekoroya Hashav. Yoshevrosh Kaholavan Benigans, Megiv Leheskema Regiash, and Nechtam Halayla Im Hamas, Bekorelif Ol Almenat Lehazireta Artaa. Netanyahu Memale Beheliumet Balone Haeshel Hamas. כשאין שקט, צריך לתקוף ולבצע סיכולים ממוקדים. כשיש שקט, צריך לפתח תשתיות עבור שניים וחצי מיליון אזרחים שלא רואים אלטרנטיבה. אומר גנץ במהלך סיור בדרום, ומוסיף, מבחינת נתניהו, אם הוא בסדר, כל השאר שיישרף. צריך ממשלה שאיכפת לה מהעוטף ומהאזרחים. כתבנו ג'קי חוגי שדיווח על ההסכם לראשונה מוסר כי במסגרתו ישראל תרחיב את מרחב הדייג ותעביר דלקים לרצועה. בתמורה לכך התחייב חמאס לחדול משיגורי בלוני התבערה.
על אף ההסכם, הבוקר אותר ספר ממולכד ששוגר באמצעות בלונים ומספר שרפות פרצו באזור העוטף. כך מדווח כתבנו רמי שני. לקראת הבחירות המקדימות לראשות מפלגת העבודה שייערכו בשבוע הבא, אמר היום חבר הכנסת איציק שמולי כי אין לפסול שיתופי פעולה פוליטיים על מנת לאפשר למחנה לנצח. בתוך כך, ניצן הורוביץ, אשר נבחר אמש ליושב ראש מרץ, אמר לגלי צה"ל כי יהיה מוכן לחיבורים פוליטיים, אולם רק בהתבסס על דרכה של מרץ. שלושה ימים למועד המתוכנן לסגירת שדה דוב, יושב ראש ההסתדרות יקיים התייעצות חירום במוצאי השבת. זאת על רקע שביתת הרשויות המקומיות הצפויה ביום ראשון במחאה על הסגירה. כתבנו אליאב בטיטו מוסר כי במסגרת השביתה לא תפונה אשפה ולא יינתנו שירותי רווחה ותרבות. מנהלת בית ספר יסודי בפתח תקווה הגישה תלונה במשטרה נגד מורה, החשוד שחשף את עצמו לעיני תלמידיו בכיתה א'. על פי המידע הראשוני, המורה התערטל מול תלמידיו במהלך שיעור העשרה, והוא נמצא כעת בחקירת משטרה. צוותי השירות הפסיכולוגי של משרד החינוך מלווים את הילדים בעקבות המקרה. כך מוסר כתבנו לענייני חינוך דורון קדוש, שהביא את הפרטים לראשונה. תחזית מזג האוויר, היום תורגש ירידה בעומס החום. את החדשות ערכה היום לינור זייליג.
Shabbos was carried on a song. Whoa, I asked the man, I saw how many Jews in this town. He said to me, there used to be a million around. But one of us passed away and we've been feeling down. Yet now it seems as though another Jew has been found. Won't you stay with us for Shabbos? Shabbos, good 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 Da 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 
שיריי אני עשיר, זוהי מנגינת חיי, עד יומי האחרון, זוהי מנגינת חיי, ואני בטוב מסע, והדרך ארוכה, אין הלום אותה עשה, את האמת אני אמצא.
J.M. in the A.M. with Sandy Shmueli, a brand new single, Manginat Chayai, here at J.M. in the A.M. Uh, before that, Eitan Katz and Bowie Vishola. Minion Man, that was Schlockrock. Mutti Steinmetz opened up the hour with Ko Amar here at J.M. in the A.M. 23 minutes after 7 o'clock. Good morning. It's 7.40 this morning. It's the uh, weekly update. Malcolm Honline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He'll join us here on a uh, Friday morning Erev Shabbos, as is his uh, habit. And we're glad it is uh, to be with us on Fridays, and we'll get updates on everything happening in Israel and the uh, Jewish world. Many of you, of course, have been uh, amazing in response to our spring fundraiser, which will come to a conclusion the way it normally does uh, toward the end of the season before we get to Shavasar Batamas in the next uh, week or so, two weeks, whatever the case is. Uh, and we thank everybody, and there's some amazing dedications that come through, both at fjbunity.org and obviously through the United States Postal Service as well. And uh, we try to get to all of them on the air at different points uh, during our program. Um, and some of them are worth noting, and uh, hopefully they'll encourage others to give and give generously. Go to fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org, with all this in mind in terms of dedications and interesting things that our listeners tell us. Miriam L. Wallach, the general manager of the Nahum Single Network, is with us live via telephone. I wanted to 
discuss with her a couple of uh, wonderful donations that have come in. Miriam L. Wallach, welcome back to JM in the AM. Good morning, Malcolm. Good morning. So you know how it works. A lot of people, uh, you know, send in donations. A lot of people go online and give. Uh, but some of them really write some wonderful and nice things. In fact, yesterday, you may recall during the live lunch, we had a uh, a donation all the way from Melbourne, Australia. Listener, right. G- listener Gedalia, who I assume, let's see if I figured this out. I assume, yeah, he, oh no, he can't be listening right now. It's probably Shabbos already there. Yeah, for sure. He's probably listening to this on either Saturday night or Sunday through the archives. Uh, anyway, so he made the donation in honor of many people, including yourself and other staff members. And uh, he pointed out some of the Nahum Siegel catchphrases that uh, he's, right. that he's noticed over the years. We had some fun with that yesterday during our live lunch. We had a couple of others, though, that I wanted to run by you. First of all, this morning we received a um, wonderful donation from the Knecht family in Elizabeth, New Jersey. And their uh, 10 times high donation uh, is uh, being made in honor of Miriam Wallach. How do you like that? Oh. Connect. By the way, Malcolm, I do not want to overlook that huge shout-out you just gave to the USPS. I mean, it's not often that the United States Postal Service gets a shout-out from anyone, <laughs> let alone you on JMAM. So if anyone also wants to donate in honor of the USPS and all of the deliveries that they just make on time to our office, that would be great. Right. Uh, on time in, pre- in the quotation marks. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. they, they certainly are helping to get donations into uh, FJB, and we appreciate that. So that's that's one example. You know, people give donations. They do it in honor of somebody. So the Knechts singled you out in their donation uh, this year. So I wanted to run that one by you. And then finally, I- I've been alluding to this one for the last few days and didn't want to uh, mention it to you without actually speaking to you about it on the air. Some of our listeners are very creative in the way they donate. They'll, just like, by the way, just like listener Gedalia, who, you know, was creative in that he he proved just how uh, he listens with a keen ear uh, as he was discussing, you know, in that donation, some of the catchphrases that I always use or, or often use here on the air. So we got a uh, donation um, which came in from a Muncie, New York, and um, uh, this is from the Fuchs family. And, okay. and they and they donated in honor of you ready for this? I am. <laughs> and a big thank you to Lisa Klein Fuchs, by the way. Uh, they donate oh. they, they donated in honor of the quote unquote snowstorm in Atlanta. And, oh my and, God. and she writes, y'all are an amazing team in all kinds of weather. And those of you who recall, it's now <laughs> it's now it's now June it's now June twenty eighth. If you go back to January when we were in Atlanta, uh, there was a somewhat of a threat of snow down there, uh, and we had plans to be somewhere that morning in order to uh, to broadcast. It was actually from the school uh, down there in Atlanta, and we had to alter our plans at the last minute because the entire Atlanta school system, and I don't think that's an exaggeration at all, private, public, every, the entire city decided we are not taking the risk, we are closing completely, and many of you may recall that that day ended up being about what was it like? Fifty degrees and sunny? Would you say? I would think around there. And I got a I got a tan that day. <laughs> and, and we referenced both then that week and of course many times in the last few months. We referenced that snowstorm in Atlanta and the reaction that those in Georgia had to the impending storm compared to the way we handle things up here. So half a year later, half a year later, Lisa Klein Fuchs donates in honor of the snowstorm and then using it in such a positive manner. 
you all are an amazing team in all kinds of weather. And that's, and things like that, those messages keep us going. And we love the fact that the people hear something half a year ago and, you know, and are able to reference it and, uh, you know, pull, pull it out of JM and the AM Nahum Siegel Network lore, if you will. So I thought you'd that's enjoy sure. I thought you'd enjoy that one. Yeah, no, that is a great one. And that was the day that we learned, or I should say the day before, because if you remember, it was about 1130. We were supposed to broadcast from AJA on Tuesday morning. Right. And it was on Monday, the day before, at 1130 in the morning, when school was already canceled for the next day, which, as we would say in New York, is insanely preposterous (laughs) because we do not cancel school until the morning of here in the New York area, even with a threat of blizzard, because, because we don't. But we learned that Monday that how many snowplows are there in Atlanta now? Very three. few. A handful, are, right. <laughs> right. There was a total of three. Not even a whole handful. Just two and a half handful. Part of a handful. And it was, it was hysterical. And yes, it became the ongoing joke. But as a result, also, we were able to do a second, a second um, show from Maria Adam Starr's show. And in addition, we had a whole bunch of kids who came to watch the programming and the recording and the, the video work at the Spicy Peach. Yeah. So there was a lot of fun to it. But, yes, way to go, Lisa Fuchs. Yeah, it was way a – it ended up being a different kind of day, but obviously a great day. And we are no – in no way are we, are we um, um, uh, disparaging – the, no, Jew- the Jewish community not. of Atlanta. We just found it funny that that's the way the authorities handle things down there, and we greatly appreciate it. By the way, this morning I referenced the fact that uh, that we've been getting, you know, some crazy uh, app messages. In addition to some of the donations we're getting, and by crazy I mean the places they're coming from. We mentioned Melbourne right. this morning. Somebody checking in from Beresheva yesterday. I told you at the end of the live lunch, Marietta, Georgia, telling us how they're tuned into NSN, especially when they're cooking for Shabbos down there. In Marietta, so it's like we we always know and uh, and and we see that our global impact is growing. But it's amazing when we get these direct messages from people. So Atlanta's yes. been Atlanta's been very big. We have a lot of listeners down there, so we have great respect and love for them. Just it was funny referencing what happened half a year ago during our adventure down there. Of course, we love Atlanta, and we had a great time in Atlanta, and they were unbelievably hospitable. The Schlosses, everyone. Oh, the Schlosses Super got a special show. I mean, it was, right, uh, it was really, and Jody at the Spicy Peach, right. it was classic Southern hospitality. Do you remember what happened at the last show that we were doing? Um, we were we were almost done with the broadcast. Yes, and, yes, yes. I remember and, this. And the, that post-it note, that note is still hanging on our wall. When somebody, a total stranger who came to watch part of the broadcast taking place, literally somebody I have never seen before in my life whose name I do not know. She did not introduce herself. She asked, you know, when we were going back, et cetera, and she said, where are you for Shabbos? The, uh, do you the, need anything for Shabbos? Yeah, I'm looking at the note. It says, Shabbos plans, question mark, are you taken care of, question mark. Right. There it is. So, yeah, there's a lot of great Southern hospitality, and obviously that type of hospitality happens in our community all around the world. So with all this in mind, everybody, whether you have a creative dedication or not, whether you're giving in honor of Miriam Wallach or in honor of the the weather, the the types of weather we broadcast in, or in honor of one of the cities around the world that's tuned into us, whatever it is, or none of those, you just want to give, please make our spring fundraiser a big success. Go to fjbunity.org. 
to keep us going here, fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. Those of you who've who've already done it or have returned your envelopes to us, we thank you. If you did not receive a um, luggage tag and uh, car magnet, NSN luggage tag, NSN car magnet, part of our on-the-go campaign, uh, reminding everybody that no matter where you are in July and August and all year round, you can always schlep us with us with you just by having the app in your smartphone. Simple as that. And then you have us at the at the press of a button um, at the ready. You know, 24 hours a day. Uh, if you haven't received it, uh, the, the the magnet or the luggage tag, and you'd like one, just email us nachum at nachumsegel dot com. Nachum at nachumsegel dot com. We will figure it out and get you uh, uh, get you the the pair, the set. As soon as possible. I thank you, Miriam L. Wallach, and Shabbat Shalom to you. Shabbat Shalom to you. And Nachum, what are the chances, do you think, that I can get someone to donate in honor of the United States Postal Service? I don't think there's much of a chance. Okay, fine. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Sounds, maybe. Sounds like you have a plan up your sleeve. I'm hoping. Come on, folks. We'll see what happens. FGBUnity.org. Give me one. I just need one donation in honor of the U.S. Were they they good to you uh, during your uh, recent family bar mitzvah? Did they get all the invitations out the way they should have? Um, That's a very good question. (laughs) The the, the funny thing about your question is that this week, the bar mitzvah was three weeks ago, four weeks ago at this point. I can't even remember. Right. We got a returned invite this week. Oh, you, oh, oh, oh you got to make yeah. a phone call today. <laughs> yeah, I actually, I spoke to that person already, but the irony was that it's actually not their fault. It went to Israel, and it came back as undeliverable, even though the address was correct. It was an Israeli address with an Israeli zip code and the word Israel on it, and it came back to your house? Correct. So it really went across the world and back and uh, to show up at my house this week. So because of the theme of this conversation, we'll call that ultra-efficiency. That's what we'll call it. <laughs> because we... I, will, I, will say, I will say that my stamps really got their money's worth. <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> there I go with another catchphrase. All right, Shabbat Shalom, and I thank you. <laughs> Miriam L. Wallach, as we uh, remind everybody about the fundraiser and, um, and certainly salute those who are giving for some creative reasons. There are others out there as well, but, and some of them we've pointed out already. Uh, but we have to give Lisa her due. Uh, it was a great reference um, um, that came in with her donation. Friday morning broadcast in this era of Shabbos Parsha Shlach. More coming up at JM in the AM.
שקשה, והלילה לילה ארוך, עם הלב כואב ובוכה, אתה לא רואה את הסוף, ונופל למטה נופל, לא יודע איך לעלות, ושואל את כולם שואל, מי יודע מה לענות? ילד, חפש את הפעם, הכל אצל פעם.
J.M. and the A.M. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos Parsha Shlach, outside of Israel. I mentioned, for those of you who were listening to my conversation yesterday with Rabbi Fass uh, of Nefesh Benefesh, he mentions in his Parsha Shlach message to the, uh, to the uh, spiritual leadership of the diaspora, he says, I'm just looking at the transcript now, um, we must undergo a spiritual realignment. This week's Parsha reminds us what the real Ratzon Hashem, the real desire of God is, and that is for us, number one, to make Israel the center of our world, both personally and and, uh, communally. Uh, That's number one, nationally. And number two, uh, to eventually understand the Ratzon Hashem that he wants everybody there. So we always say the future of the Jewish peoples in the state of Israel. It's not just because we believe that. It's because that's what God has basically told us. Okay, Friday morning on this Erev Shabbos Parsha, Shlach. Yes, we're reading Shlach in the diaspora. Candle lighting at 8-11 in New York. Rosh Chodesh Tammuz is Wednesday and Thursday. And we remind you to support us here at JM and the AM and the Nachum Siegel Network by going to fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org, and giving generously. And we thank you for that. Uh, Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Joins us for the weekly update here at JM in the AM. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Well, thank you. It's good to be with you. Hope you enjoyed your trip to Israel. It was, as always, incredible. And that message uh, resonates. And every time I have to leave, you think about why, especially after a week like this with the elections here, you think about what the future will hold for us here. Yeah. And by the way, people who don't people don't understand the uh, severity of your words who are outside the New York area because in New York, uh, we are watching now over the last a year and it is a, it is a year, uh, including this week, uh, candidates who are not very favorable to our community. Let's put it that way, although that is a pretty general statement, uh, winning elections and having uh, uh, undue and uh, an unexpected influence. And who knows, you know, God has these machinations that we've seen over the last uh, couple of thousand years. Who knows what the future holds for both American jury and jury in the New York area? And I'm sure you ponder that constantly. We confront it constantly, and especially when we saw a study this week that showed that uh, some 20% of Americans, when asked should can small businesses refuse service to Jews because 
it's religiously offensive or offensive to them on those grounds, and the answer that 20% of Americans said yes. Unbelievable. That is and, unbelievable. And I wonder what they would have said if you would have put in any other ethnic group. Exactly. In and that, that's, uh, they did study others. We didn't get the full study, but this came out, and, and people then accepted. I mean, we just believe that this is commonplace and, and the way things are, and it, sh- it's, it's, um, it shows how, as in Mitzrayim, you know, they kept adding one layer, one layer, and the Jews kept saying, we can take it. We keep raising the bar on what we will tolerate rather than saying, look at this, this is outrageous. And unfortunately, there are, are many outrages that we see. While we're focused on some <laughs> on, the, on the negative, maybe I should get all my negative stuff out of the way here early on in this conversation, I am, I am tired of watching noticeably Jewish people demonstrate on the streets of New York against Israel. I have had it with this. And I recall, and, and this is, you know, these are stories that I heard from my father, I recall when there was Jewish leaders, and this is, I'm being, I'm being serious, I'm not knocking you or anybody else in leadership positions, it's a totally different time. But I, there was a time when Jewish leaders would go to these Hasidic leaders and say to them, we will fight your case and we will bring your causes to whoever you want us to bring it to, Prime Minister of Israel, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Just keep these demonstrations off the streets, keep them out of the public eye. And I guess there's just nobody who can control them anymore in this era. Uh, and, and, it, and, it, and, it, and it gets distressing. And I know that there's, there are people who tongue-in-cheek say, you know, that the Prime Minister of Israel say it's the best thing for Israel because, you know, people find out more and more about how powerful the state is, et cetera, et cetera. All that is a joke as far as I'm concerned. And it, it, just, it just, I don't know, it gets to me once in a while. I brought this up with you before. It gets to me once in a while. And yesterday was just another one of those occasions. Well, first of all, it's, it's Jews from the left, Jews from the right, Jews who have all sorts of agendas, uh, those who are more visibly Jewish obviously gain more attention because it's a it's, um, man-bites-dog story and that the media loves, and they, they like to exploit it, and then it justifies it. And even those who, who, who borderline anti-Semitic and certainly anti-Israel and those who, who engage in the, in the rhetoric, but they can then justify and say, well, it's not just us. Look at these people. And whether it's, uh, it's those who are organizing and, and do things from uh, the, the left perspective, those who are in Jews for uh, justice uh, or, or in Palestine or whatever names that they come up with, uh, and especially young people who are manipulated into joining it. M- many, many, many years ago, decades ago, I went to see some of the Rebbe's about about this very topic, and they disowned the people who, who engage in the flag burning and other activities and said it's not our way. But he said, look, you have your crazy people and can't control them, and we have ours. And I think that the, you know, the ostracism that the community can impose and can set standards is, is really essential. And the power of the pocketbook, as I've said many times, is the most valuable tool. I don't think you should go on the streets and beat people up, and I don't think you know, that, that violence is the answer in this case. I do think, though, that there are ways to pressure and to, to root out, because it's, it's generally a small group who engage in it. But then when they get the imprimatur of, of established uh, leaders and um, uh, schools, she vote and stuff, then that changes the rules. Oh, no question about that. Um, and finally, on the, <laughs> on, on the more depressing news, um, I, I don't know if you had an opportunity to watch it, but, when you, but maybe the previous night you did. But when you, when you see the Democratic debate take place, 
do you sometimes say to yourself that you just can that you, you can't take anybody at their word anymore you cannot you you it, it, it's it's impossible to to believe all these people that you know want to get the democratic nomination for president of the united states it's like i don't know i i just I feel that so many of them continue to lose their credibility as they flip flop on issues, as they go back and forth on, you know, with reaction to different things, including Israel, by the way, not that it came up in the debate, but yesterday I saw a, uh, um, uh, an interview done by the New York times with every one of the candidates with questions about Israel. And it just, you don't know what to believe anymore. You know what I'm saying? I do. And this is an age when we have complete coverage. You have 24, seven, uh, internet coverage and cable coverage. Uh, the fact is that international affairs hardly matters in this election so far, right. and uh, it's all, all criticism and the the race to the left and to adopting and embracing socialism and all sorts of things that are, are it's almost impossible to to conceive and, and think about it. And the same thing on the right, going to the extremes on the right and the loss of the political center. I do think that things will come back after the, that right now in the primaries, people generally tend to the left, and then in the general elections, uh, move more toward the center. Um, but, you know, with all the important issues and things, just in, in the days the, the, while these debates were going on, whether it's the uh, events in, in Bahrain or the three-way uh, meeting of the of the leadership with Iran's threats and the the you know, coming apart now, the JCPOA potentially, if the the threats that Iran is making of resuming its its uh, nuclear program, or demonstrating that it in fact already has, in in, in the sense that it has 300 kilograms of of enriched uranium. By, enriched. by the way, that's the only foreign policy issue that's coming up in these debates. That who's running fast enough to get rid of the Iran, to go back to the Iran deal? <laughs> that's the right. That's and the only o- I think one said that they would redo it at least in the first debates. Um, the, 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 you know, you have the, these gross violations, and, and really people are not paying attention. And I raise it at some of the meetings, and, and, you know, people, I know they glaze over when we talk about it, but we see that they're gearing up to enrich uranium closer to weapons grade. They're saying it. They're saying that they already have this huge stockpile. They're giving ultimatums to the Europeans if they don't come up with an alternative structure. This uh, Instax, which is supposed to replace the the SWIFT system, which is under U.S. sanction, um, that Iran is saying that we're going to uh, withhold, well, they, they gave them an extra few days now to come up with a solution, but saying that if you don't come up with it, uh, we are going to we're going to withdraw. So they they pressure them to to um, to try and bypass the the sanctions, and we know that the companies are not going to do it. They're not going to risk losing the American market and and come under the sanctions, which have been increasingly imposed even during these. Um, the last days, and Iran is, is pleading and saying we only want to sell our oil, and at the same time saying, well, there's no decrease in our export of oil when China alone cut by 60 some percent um, this, the, the exports over the last couple of months over what they were uh, uh, last year alone. And the, the, you know, the Iranians are continuing their activity in terms of support for Hezbollah and, and threatening with Hamas and threatening through other. Um, means, in fact, we see the Hezbollah now is giving orders to Syria's army and using it not only to spy on Israel. They're building these twenty lookout positions to to be set up 
um, have been set up on the Syrian Golan Heights facing Israel, and each one is, is manned by Syrian soldiers together with Hezbollah forces, and they use technology to listen to communications on the Israeli side, and uh, the information is then sent to, to Hezbollah headquarters in, in, in Lebanon. Uh, so they're they're moving all the time, and the the general ignorance or or ignoring it. The three way meeting I think was really critical, but hardly got any coverage. The fact that the national security advisors of Israel, Russia, and the U.S. met, while the Russians going into the meetings reaffirmed their support for the Iranians. Uh, the, I, I think in the meetings that they it's were support- talking about how you get rid of the foreign forces in Syria because Russia doesn't want them. Uh, there any more than anyone else does, uh, and that that but had to sh- pay lip service at least in uh, in their public comment before the meeting. Russia reaffirmed the support for the Iranians. It did. Wow, interesting. Before they went, before the meeting began, and uh, you know, and everybody winks and nods. But the fact is that that is a public record, and it was also a message to the Europeans. You know that they better come up with uh, some bypass. They had promised, as you know, to to sustain the JCPOA and right. come up but, with. Uh, but, but before the three-way uh, meeting, for just for a second, back uh, back to the sanctions thing. Um, all this is going on with, at, while at the same time, European leadership is encouraging these companies to do business with Iran. Would that be a fair statement? As they continue to lobby for less sanctions and more activity with Iran. Wouldn't they, you know, turn the other way if, in fact, these companies went ahead and did business with them? They're encouraging them to do business. Right, exactly. But the companies are not doing it. The companies recognize. So even if they have European support, they're not. They're not. What do we say? Stupid enough? Yeah. Major the major corporations, the car manufacturers, other things. Then the amount of trade that Iran is doing externally is dropping constantly because they don't want to give up. You know the the trillion dollar economy for for Iran. Iran's economy isn't collapsed. You know the the purchasing power of the, of the real has dropped so significantly. The um, and the sanctions are are really having an impact. So you, you have a lot of companies who who will buy who who will pass up the opportunity to to invest there or to do business there because they know the 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 price and U.S. You know, has hit back at the the Iranian um, militia, Hezbollah, and others with the cyber attacks, and uh, they talked about you know what the their own forces, the um, Iran's proxy forces, are using, um, and and also by the way, the Financial Action Task Force, which has been meeting um, and um, has been trying to pressure Iran into. Uh, action on money laundering and support for terrorism, and and called on international banks to keep tabs on on Iranian banks. But they've given them now to October, after which automatically sanctions, I think, will will be implemented and have to be voted on. But you know, people's patience is running out with them, and the Iranians, meantime, don't cooperate, don't uh, uh, take seriously the um, you know the international. Sanctions and warrants—they take seriously the impact. They're trying to get out of them, uh, but the things that they could take, the steps they could take, uh, they don't. So, and, and you saw that how the IDF has been engaged this week in a five-day exercise against the war with Hezbollah, and that means on ground, underground uh, missile attack, very extensive five-day exercise using all the different security forces of of Israel, northern border or anywhere. 
primarily from the northern border, and because uh, of Hezbollah, but I mean, always about the south is is uh, something that's constant. But this, the, the magnitude of this, is an indication how seriously they take the threat that Iran could activate uh, either border, uh, south and north, but this one in particular. And in the national security three-way meeting, what was the message from the Israeli? national security team not the message to the u.s but more to russia what what was their directive what was their what were they most concerned about when speaking to russia about that region well i wasn't in the meeting but i uh, from what i know uh, the first issue would be to keep up to keep to live up to the promise to keep the iranians away from the border second a plan to get foreign forces i.e iran out of syria um, and maybe at the price of acknowledging and recognizing the Assad regime, you know, that Assad is the victor and remains in power, um, which would be a concession to, to, to uh, Russia, um, and uh, areas of, uh, in which they could cooperate against the spread of these forces, which threaten everyone's interests. Russia wants to maintain its presence in Syria. The Air Force, the, base, the Navy bases that they uh, acquired and have long-term leases on, so they they're trying to protect their interests, uh, as you saw that uh, the national security advisor Petrushev of of Russia spoke about that uh, they their interest to because an attack on Israel, uh, where two million of our countrymen live, is something you know that their security of Israel is something they take seriously, et cetera, because of the presence of a large Russian and formerly Russian community. Uh, so the the agenda I think is pretty clear. It's also about what happens in the Gulf and the um, um, potential for, for how do you secure the region. Uh, obviously, I think Turkey would be a, a subject of concern because we've had some clashes. But Russia has had clashes with uh, Iranians in Syria. And the, uh, you know, the, so their agenda, even if they don't publicly state it, does coincide with that of the U.S. and Israel in this regard. I know we asked uh, this last week, but then does a meeting like this, and I, I know you weren't there, et cetera, but does a meeting like this um, um, bring the message bring the message more to Russia that Israel's ready to step in militarily if necessary, or Russia doesn't need that message because they know it? This, this, this meeting uh, indicates to Russia that Israel's ready to actually take action in Syria vis-a-vis Iran? Or, like I say, it just, you know, that that's a davar yadua, as they say. It's well, well, because it's actually, it's happened, uh, and the, the Russians know it, everybody else knows it. They see the Israeli planes in the sky taking out the uh, shipments of, of weapons that Iran is uh, sending through Syria to Lebanon, and um, has not generally interfered, although this week they supposedly the um, they, Israel believes the Russians um, interfered and were responsible for the disruption in the GPS service, in, uh, in, which affected aircraft uh, in, in Israeli airspace over the uh, last month. And um, there were some warnings sounded about it. But they, they take seriously that Israel has red lines that can't be crossed. One of them was the uh, range that Russia, the Iranians are supposed to be kept out of. That was not honored. And the shipment of weapons, et cetera, that, that Israel can't tolerate, the, you know, tunnels. Uh, th- those red lines are well known, and all the parties agree. 
Look, the fact that it took place in Israel is in and of itself an incredible statement. I mean, who would have thought that the two great powers have to come together, coming together in this way would take place in In little Israel. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at com on the Nachum Siegel Network, and of course in the beloved NSN app. By the way, that was my takeaway from Bahrain. My takeaway from Bahrain is uh, because, again, and I'll ask you this in a minute about the whole PA not being there and how on earth people judge this to be such a successful conference if they weren't there. But anyway, we'll get to that in a second. My takeaway was, uh, you know, all these Gulf states and their leaders and business uh, people are praising Israel, are telling everybody in the world, in, in the, you know, with the attention of the press on them, are telling everybody they want to do business in Israel and they want to invest in Israel and they want to be side by side with Israel with their technology and, and you know going forward. I, that was my takeaway from that. That was the historic moment. That was where where I who who was not around at the um, at the establishment of the state of Israel. So I can't make that comparison about what was life like before and what it was like after. But I do recall the 70s, 80s, and 90s when you couldn't get leaders in the in that region to you know to make complimentary comments about Israel and certainly not publicly at the risk of whatever might happen to them. And now in 2019, they're getting up there making public statements that we will stand side by side with Israel and move forward technologically and economically. And I that was my takeaway from the whole conference. Uh, well, some did. The foreign minister of Bahrain actually made a very strong statement, but Bahrain has had a Jewish community and and there's a synagogue there to which many people went, and I think it was an impressive picture of uh, um, Jason and some others with their tefillin on and uh, Thompson tefillin davening. Uh, I think the the um, you know the Israel was not officially invited. No Israeli officials were there. Uh, um, General Mordechai was there, but he's retired and he was there uh, invited, I guess, as a get, uh, expert because he's the one who served in. Gaza and, and had conducted all the negotiations, but there were a dozen or so Israelis businessmen and others who were there, and who told me that they were warmly welcomed and generally found it very um, hospitable and, and an important conference. The um, but you got to answer that question: How could it be that a conference that's formed to help with the economic situation uh, among those, you know, the Palestinians, Gaza, etc. Uh, and there's no PA leadership there, and they're all rejecting it, and they're all cursing out Israel. And there in Bahrain, they're talking about millions of jobs being uh, being established or being offered or you know ready to be given to people in Gaza. The whole thing looks like a joke when 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 nobody from that you know, you know there's nobody there representing them. There's no one there you know accepting this gift that's being offered. There were some Palestinian businessmen, and one spoke. Uh, but as you, you rightly said, there was no official representation. And the, I think that it is important that the Palestinian people hopefully are getting the message and know that they're being deprived of their rights, not by Israel, not by the United States, not by all the people that they blame, but by their own government, which is corrupt by any assessment that is has never passed up, uh, never taken advantage of any opportunity. And I've even said they never missed an opportunity to miss an opportunity. Well, they missed another opportunity where even by their presence, by their contacts, by the um, uh, taking advantage and, and discussing the offers uh, uh, that are being made. I mean, what did the PA do? It's not paying its electric bill. They owe, I think, the Israel Electric Company $554 million already, and Israel will start taking that out. They, they, their economic conditions are clearly uh, very troubling, and yet they, they, they 
pass up the opportunity that they weren't there to promote peace, let alone prosperity. And, you know, they can argue with whether the deal is a good one or a bad one, but the fact is it's something that's on the table. And I think uh, Jared Kushner made a wonderful presentation, um, and people who were there on the ground um, said so. And, and as some said, they don't want to give up being the victim. They don't want to give up their misery. They, they How they could turn down a $50 billion economic opportunity, it's not just for them, it's Egypt, Jordan, others who were there, but that they um, uh, that the people from Israel said that they felt normal being there, and, and at the same time we see that the the from Gaza this week more than a hundred of the incendiary balloons have hit Israel twenty yesterday. They're continuing at that rate every day. They do a lot of damage. They endanger lives. They endanger crops, and they endanger forests and homes. And that's their response to uh, an international community lining up, trying to be to be helpful and to promote, hopefully, peace ultimately by by um, economics. And everybody all along. I mean, there have been many approaches, and I don't know if this one will do any better than any of the ones in the past. But it highlights, I think, for for rational people, um, who where the problem really lies, where where the obstacle. Uh, is and everybody agrees that if you don't uh, um, if you don't improve the quality of life, if you don't address those things that are that incentivize people to overcome the hatred, the you know, importunings to violence, etc., that um, you're not going to be able to to make progress. And here, the, you know, the the host foreign ministers say Israel is part of the Middle East heritage. And that Israel, in in the whole region historically, and the Jewish people have a place amongst us. That, as you said, is is in of itself um, a big change. And, and uh, you know, we we are. And by the way, um, it, 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 at the beginning of your answer, you said that it's Palestinian leadership who aren't affording this opportunity for their people to take advantage of some of the stuff that they're talking about in the Gulf. And of course, you know, Israel is blamed for suppressing. Uh, for suppressing the people in Gaza when it's really their own leadership that's doing it. When 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 every candidate from the last two nights was asked in this newspaper article that I referred to, does Israel meet international standards of human rights? I, I, I fear to tell this audience what the majority of them said. Every one of them in some way is either subtly or directly blaming Israel for what you rightfully have blamed PA leadership for. And that's the impression, and this is frankly, you know, going to be the attitude of whoever the Democratic candidate is. And this is, you know, and, and, and this is a myth that has become very difficult to dispel, frankly. That is true. And, and they, you know, then they will cite some Israeli source, you know, all they have to do is go to Haaretz and they will get the evidence that they need or uh, some publications here in the U.S. and, and some organizations. Uh, and and you see that uh, what Israel is doing all over the region. You know that the PA, which really underscores uh, your point, has stopped financing the hospitals in East Jerusalem, the Makassed and Augusta Victoria, um, and even um, the Al-Quds University in East Jerusalem requested to join Israel's Council for Higher Education. So they fired the lecturers, the PA fired the lecturers from East Jerusalem, and Sarin Seba, who, as you know, has been long involved in negotiations, was appointed by Abu Dhabi as the head of the Economic Fund for East Jerusalem 
and has no connection to the PA because they know that that's you know a no is not going to go where they want. And they they were complaining the PA about the the youth in in um, East Jerusalem and elsewhere are connected to Ramallah, but they go there for restaurants. They don't participate in the demonstrations, the Global Day of Rage, um, and when the embassy was opened in Jerusalem and. Um, um, and the tension also because they they are afraid of what Saudi Arabia's intentions are regarding Al Quds Al Aqsa Mosque, and because when they were complaining about the conditions there, Saudi Arabia said that they will come in and fix it, but they want they want control. So they always look for the external uh, threat of Israel to excuse and exculpate them from every responsibility. And the fact that the candidates and the, and the media often and others are, uh, you know, with unnamed and unsubstantiated charges, are there problems? There are always problems. But Israel is, in, in, is constantly under attack. It has to take steps to try to root out the terrorist infrastructure, which saves the PA, because without that cooperation, they, they would not last. And you would have Hezbollah cells dominating the whole West Bank. They're operating there all the time. Iran is trying to penetrate all the time. You can't imagine what it would be if it weren't for... They continue the security cooperation. If it weren't for that, one can only imagine why. And the PA does it not because they're concerned about Israel's security, but because it's their security that's at stake. All right, the election. Is there now going to be a second election, or is there going to be a deal between the uh, Prime Minister of Israel and whoever is is necessary to deal with in order to avoid an election in September? Yes, no, and maybe. <laughs> so, <laughs> What's the latest on this? Yes, th- 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 I believe there will be an election because th- I think they ballooned this idea. They did a trial balloon to see what the reaction would be to canceling the election. Um, and uh, Netanyahu says it's still something they can do and they have time they can cancel it uh, in a couple of weeks yet um but i think that their reaction you know was that it's it's manipulative and once you already declared the election we see some changes in the parties merit has a new head labor we see barack saying that he's going to form a party we don't know if the right parties will actually come together in, in a election so I think any effort to cancel the election right now is on hold, and they will judge. I don't think people are particularly anxious to have the election, and really? that was the sense I got when I was in Israel and I met the Prime Minister and others. Um, the you know people are fatigued; they just went through an election. Now the uncertainties of the upcoming election, you know, many government functions and things, while they continue, um, are somewhat restrained because people are looking over their shoulder about what will happen in the election, uh, talk about all sorts of configurations, which always uh, take place when and it's not the first deadlock we've had in, in Israeli politics. Uh, the average government lasts two and a half years. This one went longer, so I guess they have to pay double for the price. But the the um, um, I think the fatigue about it, the, the people questioning why it was necessary to have to go to another election, uh, anger at Lieberman, support for Lieberman, others, you know, questioning whether that he will increase support, decrease support, will they blame him for these steps, all questions in Israeli politics. But the fact is that until, I would say, you know, Labor Day, like in America, people you know, engage in the sport, and there are headlines different days, but they're really not that focused. They're going to wait until you get closer to September 17th. With the sending of the trial balloon, does that tell us that Netanyahu is fearful that he could lose the upcoming election, and that's why he was, 
I don't want to say desperate, but to to a degree, had some desperation to to try to cancel this next election. Uh, well, I can't. Uh, I did not ask him, so I can't say what he thinks. But some of the speculation is that number one, the the uh, uh, hope that the right parties, which lost. A number of seats, I think three or four seats, because you know the votes that of parties that were excluded uh, are dropped, they're lost, and so they're saying that the the coalition of the right could have been expanded had they come together. And we see right now the that they're still not able to form a united uh, uh, party, uh, the different components coming together so that the votes are not lost, but the. Um, I think he, he, he is certainly raising questions that the outcome will be no different, meaning that they will get right now, the, it looks like the coalition is right. I think the last poll was 59, was 60 without Lieberman. Um, and does Lieberman gain strength or lose strength? Where does a Barack party take from? Basically blue and white, but also some from Likud, it seems. Uh, so there could be a realignment of votes, and it, it could come out. Uh, worse than the last election did, and I think he's constantly monitoring. And, and Netanyahu is a very smart uh, analyst. This has been proven to be a very. Was there uh, an official offer by Netanyahu to Gantz to do this on rotation, and Netanyahu take the first couple of years as prime minister? He said no. He said there was no deal, and they never made the And Ehud Barak is seventy-seven years old, but I guess that doesn't stop anybody from running. And we we saw that from last night. Look last night, <laughs> right? But. Uh, uh, I, I don't know, you know, why he, 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 when he puts conditions that he wants to keep his position in the cannabis building business and his other business interests, uh, I just don't understand how you, you can't do that if you're running, unless you're running just to have a party and not be prime minister. Do you wanna, does he really intend to, to pursue this? I have my doubts. All right, and finally, we got to address the uh, the activities of last weekend. You can imagine how people in this audience were somewhat disturbed when President Trump, at the last minute, in reaction to the drone episode, decided not to take any military action against Iran. Um, did you like or not like the way that was handled in the in the um, in in the public uh, forum? Uh, that you know, essentially, Iran got the message that. The U.S. was ready to take action and then backed off. I think that might be worse, um, having it being be known publicly and heard around the world, than if it would have been just uh, kept quiet there in Washington. There, there is a lot of feeling. Uh, you know, we've seen the analysts and people assess always that Iran tests for weakness, and if they perceive this, and I think Bolton's comments, others uh, made it very clear that they shouldn't misinterpret this. This wasn't a, a decision made out of uh, weakness or, or unwillingness to take the necessary action, but rather to give them a chance. Uh, the FATF has given them till October to come in line with the terrorism. That wasn't a, a sign of weakness. It was a, a measure, I guess, in, based on practicality. But you see the Europeans don't have the spine to really do what is necessary. I don't think that that was the case um, with the U.S. It is true that the Iranians could misinterpret it, but the fact the sanctions and new sanctions are being imposed, and they're doing a really effective job uh, uh, on Iran. But again, you always have to think of how the message is received by the other side. It's not your intent. It's how do they... um, to how do they look at it? And I don't think that that option is off the table of some sort of uh, action. Uh, the president maybe, as he said, weighed the cost versus the what what the price would be uh, in terms of human life and um, 
what what the gain would be from such an attack. I mean, what why do you do think the you wait, next day? Why do you think you waited till the last minute like that? I, I really don't know. <laughs> There's a lot of things I don't understand in in these uh, days and how decisions are made. But uh, on either side, by the way, Israel, the U.S., anywhere, uh, I, I do think that. Um, you know the president has shown determination, and you see that the that the mood in, in certainly the Democratic Party is to compromise to to and and the Iranian and encourages the Iranians just to believe that they can wait it out. You know that that uh, they think in two years Trump won't be there, and they will get the Democrats will go back, and the U.S. will come back to the to the original deal, which benefited them uh, really significantly, and that's why the ongoing sanctions are so important because they are. Taking a toll, we see it in the economic realm and other realms. Uh, the internal situation uh, in Iran uh, as well. So, you know, Iranians. It's very important that they get the message that they're going to be isolated. That the international community and 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 that was another gain from Bahrain that they saw the participation, even not at high levels of. Uh, many of the delegations that the um, Egyptian Saudis, UAE, other, et cetera, et cetera, Qataris, all came uh, to the meeting itself. And this, the, all of these things are important. But I think Iran could, could certainly escalate and is threatening to do so, exposing, by the way, the stuff that was in the, the files that Israel got, the archives, which substantiate the fact that they've never stopped the, their nuclear program and that they are in violation probably in many ways of the JCPOA and the Europeans are not going to be on the spot if they don't come up with a system then the Iranians are saying we're out we're going to start breaking out of the uh, restrictions this is a it's a very serious time for them you know if our community uh, especially in places uh, geographically that have you know strong Jewish presences. Uh, if we don't start mobilizing when it comes to some of these local elections, then then we're really going to be <laughs> going to be frowned upon by our previous generations because uh, there are areas. And I'm referring obviously in terms of the Queens DA election. There are areas in Farakway and Queens that are uh, that have such large Jewish communities who were completely immobilized, uh, or at least that's the impression I'm getting. Yeah. Uh, when, I, I don't deal so much with the local issues. Yeah, I know. But for the last uh, just one second, the last thirty years, this has broader implications. And people not understanding, and the rabbis who demand all the time of us and who put pressure on us and did not do anything to mobilize their communities to come out in an election where a few hundred votes could have made all the difference, when now the implications will be to threaten people like uh, Elliot Engel, Hakeem, Meeks, anybody who, who was not in the camp of this, the extreme left factions, the extremist factions, and it's not left, it's, it's extremists overall, and that we're empowering these forces. We, we had in, here in Brooklyn a race where, thanks to the efforts of the FJCC, the Flatbush Jewish Community Council, led by Josh Mailman, many others, Costco Bennett, all of those who took the time to organize and put ads, they made the difference. And every political leader knows that they won this election by a greater percentage in terms of vote, even though the turnout was much lower, but because they mobilized and they, they made the effort and people got the message that here you had somebody who, who was backers and others, and the person themselves supposedly were making uh, veiled anti-Semitic comments, talking about are you going to let the slumlords win, are you going to let the Trump backers win, are you going and uh, I mean it's something that has to be addressed as well when a high-ranking city official elected officials making some of those comments in backing uh, the candidate who lost um, 
And the fact that in Queens, people didn't take that effort because it, it, this will have a ripple effect. It's going to empower uh, more races against those who, whose positions I think we would find much more acceptable and, uh, and be comfortable with as opposed to people who, who are openly hostile in some instances. Well said. I thank you. Shabbat shalom. We'll Shabbat speak shalom. Uh, Mir Tashem next week. There he is, Malcolm Honline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Really well said. If you, if you, if you think you missed part of what Malcolm said, listen to it on the archives again. Uh, it's Especially if you're a Jewish leader, if you're somebody who has the pulpit uh, with hundreds of Jews who are ready to, uh, to, to be mobilized if uh, given proper direction. Uh, this time each every Friday morning, every Erev Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Uden, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomri Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Uden. Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Shlach. According to the Chinuch, Parshas Shlach contains three mitzvos. Two positive, the mitzvah of Chala, the mitzvah of Tzitzis, and one negative, and that is that the Jew is not to follow Losasuru, Achari Levavachem, Vachari as we find in the uh, parsha of Tzitzis, the third parsha of the Shema. Before I begin to discuss an interesting aspect of the mitzvah of tzitzis, I just want to say that this is one of those parashios that every year I find, unfortunately, it does not get easier. The first half of the parasha deals with the spies that Moshe sends, that the Jewish people come in a frenzy, as we're told in the book of Devarim. And they wish to see the land and Moshe by saying sure Moshe knew that it was good because Hashem had promised the Jewish people at the burning bush that it was good so it's almost like if I have a for sale sign on my car and you wish to buy my car and you say could I please take it for a spin and I say sure well the fact that I said it was such surety you can tell that it's going to drive and the brakes are going to work otherwise I would hesitate etc so Moshe as well by saying sure of course he was hoping that that would be sufficient unfortunately we know that the outcome of the spies was nothing less than horrific and as a result we spent the next 39 years total of 40 years in the desert God decreed Yom Lashana, Yom Lashana, for every day that you spent away and spying out the land, 40 days, you will have spent 40 years in the desert. How could they do this? How could they despise the land of Israel? And so there are answers given, such as that the Nisim. These, because the Torah testifies that they were good men. So how could 10 out of the 12 bring back an evil report? They reason that right now they have a position of prominence. And in the land of Israel, when things change and people will be working the land, etc., not living in a re- realm of 
pure spirituality, they would lose their position. That's one possibility. Or, <coughs> if you prefer, they wanted total spirituality as opposed to having to um, uh, work a land, etc. Believe me, it's exceedingly challenging. What I'd like to focus on, however, is the last paragraph of the Parsha, and that is the mitzvah of tzitzis, and to share with you the exciting understanding of the Mesha Chachma on this mitzvah. And the thesis of the Mesha Chachma is that he looks to Tilim Kuf Dalid, the beautiful Tilim of Barchinavshi, which happens to be the special Tehillim that we add on Rosh Chodesh, which, please God, is going to be Rosh Chodesh Tammuz this coming Wednesday and Thursday. And the <coughs> opening part of Tilam Kuftalid is Barchi Nafshi Es Hashem. Bless my soul, Hashem. Hashem Elohai Gadalta Ma'od. You are very great. Hod Vahadar Lavashta. You have donned, clothed, you have put upon yourself the clothing of glory and majesty. And he continues. Ote or kasalma, that you literally covering with light as with a garment. The psalmist, King David, looks upon the heavens and says, This is literally what is clothing Hashem. Now, we cannot understand this other than watch. Says the Meshachachma that the heavens represent the garment of Hashem. And what are tzitzis? Tzitzis are four gedilim, four tassels, four fringes, that is four tassels with eight fringes hanging, suspended from the four corners of this garment. And what does this represent? He says that the garment, which is the world that Hashem created, Hashem created an incomplete world. He created His world unfinished. And what's at the corners of the garment are fringes and tassels which are unwoven, unlike the garment itself which is woven. And Hashem says to man, it is your job to complete the world. It is your job to finish the world. And just like we find regarding the mitzvah of circumcision, which begins, Hashem introduces the mitzvah of circumcision in chapter 17 in Bereshis to Avram Avinu by saying, Ani Kael Sha Dai which is understood by our rabbis to mean she'omar le'olami dai. 
I'm the one who said to my world, die, sufficient, like dayenu, enough. What does that mean? I stopped the heavens, I stopped the world for man to complete the world. And it's interesting that the concept of Mila is one that we look as just that, man completing the body. When we say every Friday night, oh, tonight, in the introduction to the Kiddush, in the first paragraph of Vayichu HaShemayim Vo'aretz, it says that God ceased. Kivo Shavas He rested, he ceased. Mikomalachto from all his work, Ashebara Elokim, which God created. Colon. What's the next word? La'asos. He created to do. He created a world and he says to man, you are to do and you are to finish the world. And that's why if you look at the beginning of chapter 2 of Bereshis, what do you find? You find the Pasuk of Ele, Todos HaShemayim V'Oretz. This is the unfolding of heaven and earth, Behibaram, when they were created. And the rabbis say in the Medrash, don't read the word only as Behibaram, but read it as Avraham. It's scramble the letters. Avraham. Now what's all that about? This is in Bereshus Rabbah 12.9. What's all that about? That Hashem created the world and the poster individual is Avram Avinu. Because what did he do? He improved and made a significant difference in this world. By teaching the world monotheism, by teaching the world that there is a God who's a creator and that he is involved in the affairs of man, Avram Avinu made this world a better place. And the mitzvah of tzitzis says to each and every one of us, Gedilim Tasel Lecha, in Pashas Kiseitse, you are to make tassels lecha for yourself. What does that mean? It means that each and every one of us is different. The Talmud says, <coughs> Just as our facial appearance is different, everybody looks differently. That Hashem is the greatest architect, that we're all the same, but we're all different. Right? So the idea is just as our facial appearances are different, so too says the Gemara in Brachos, Kach Deoseim Shonos. So too is their mind. So too is their intelligence. So too is their perspective. So too is the contribution that each and every one can make and the contribution that you can make is only one that you can make and not somebody else and you were put in this world for a purpose you were put in this world at this time because Hashem knows that at this time you are needed here and you can do in your community wherever you are in your family in your environment each and every one of us has this capacity to says the Meshachachma complete this world the Rabbi Akiva was challenged by the Roman philosopher Tunus Rufus. And Tunus Rufus, 
you have to understand that the Romans were vehemently against circumcision. Why? Why did it bother them that we circumcised our children? We told them to circumcise? What's the issue here? No, they put the human body on a pedestal. They had men uh, participating in sports in the nude. They looked at the body as being something which complete. And they therefore said to the Jew, how dare you deface the body? So Tunis Rufus asked Rabbi Akiva, well, if you are to be circumcised, why did not God create the baby and the baby should come out from the mother already circumcised? And Rabbi Akiva said, give me a minute. And he went and he brings to Tunis Rufus a, some wheat kernels and next to it a beautiful cake. And he says, tell me, whose actions are better? These come from God, the wheat kernels, and the cake comes from man. The idea is that God says to man, complete. We complete explains the chinuch in his understanding of circumcision in mitzvah 2 out of the 613, that as man completes his body, so too is he then to strive throughout his life to complete his character, to complete the soul, his life. And this is an exceedingly important concept, which is a unique kind of very special um, aspect that the Meshachachma breathes into this mitzvah of tzitzis. And just as we find in the Hallel, that once again, we're going to say, Emitz Hashem, this coming, Rosh Chodesh, Wednesday and Thursday, HaShemayim, Shemayim Lashem, but Ve'ha'aretz, the earth, Nasan Levnei Adam, Hashem gave to man. When you say that, Pasuk, please God, on Rosh Chodesh, pause for a moment and understand what you're saying is Hashem gave it to man that man should bring it to completion and that's why it's not by chance that every morning before we don our talis we recite the two psukim from Baruch once again that we are reminding ourselves Oteor Kasalma, that Hashem enveloped himself in a garment, but the garment is incomplete because he said, Die to the world and let man complete the job. What an unbelievable sense of trust Hashem has in us, as we say in the Moda'ani every day, that Hashem has given us Chemlo Rabba Emuna Secha. His faith in us. Let's not let him down and let us, with his help, complete his magnificent world. Shabbat Shalom to all. My gosh, I cannot believe Rabbi Yudin just quoted that that part of Moda'ani because uh, Charlie Harari is standing by, and in a minute you'll hear why that is so significant that Rabbi Yudin just quoted that. That's really amazing, I'll tell you. 
no such thing as coincidence, right? Uh, earlier, uh, when uh, Miriam Wallach was on, we were talking about our fundraiser and 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 people who donate for different reasons. Uh, listener Linda sent us a great email right after that. Nahum, long ago I sent in my donation, but in response to your query for interesting stories, I want to tell you mine. This week I spoke at the World Bank about risk, past, present, and future. I closed my talk as you close your broadcast. Remember the past, live the present, and trust the future. Uh, a little different, meaning in, in the reference of each one of those small phrases, a little different, and I did not give you credit, sorry. <laughs> but where did you get the phrase? And as I remind all our listeners, it's on the wall of the uh, Museum of the Diaspora in Tel Aviv. Um, oh, the, 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 the person who said it, uh, of course, it just slipped my mind a second ago, uh, but it'll come back to me. So, Linda, thank you, and best regards to your entire family, and thank you for your donation, and thank you for that honor of, uh, of, of me being quoted with someone else's quote, but I thank you very much for that. Also, listener Cena, we challenged somebody to give in honor of the United States Postal Service. The listener Cena came through in honor of Nahum Miriam and, of course, the United States Postal Service. Thank you and good Shabbos. Speaking of listener Cena, she says, Mazel tov to our grandson Yisrael Zev Gifter of Staten Island, who recently graduated from Yeshiva America's Torah Kindergarten. YZ, you're such a big boy, and we're so proud of you. And more recently, Mazlov Yisrael Zev's big brother, Mordechai Gifter, graduated Wednesday from Yeshiva Or Simcha in Englewood. Mordechai, we're equally proud of you and looking forward to sharing the nachas from your future accomplishes. Mazlov to the proud parents, Ashana and Rabbi Yaakov Gifter, and all the siblings. Mazel tov and much love from Bubby and Zadie, Florida. We know them as Listener Sina and Mr. Listener Sina <laughs> down in Florida. Uh, we have the honor for years. That the voice you hear after I finish JM and AM every Thursday is that of Charlie Harari. And with his international and very busy schedule, I pray that he's able to uh, uh, keep that going for us every single Thursday forever here at the Nahum Siegel Network. The uh, show is called Unlocking Greatness. Again, it's Thursdays, uh, 9 a.m. Eastern Time, right after JM and the AM. I asked Charlie to join me this morning because I was inspired by a recent talk that he gave in a very special place. Charlie Harari, welcome back to JM in the AM. What an honor to be here. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I greatly appreciate that. I just I need you to know that, first of all, I like your Yankee Red Sox co- comparisons. <laughs> I like your Yankees slash Giants versus Jets slash Mets stuff. Uh, I wonder who, what non-sports fans do with your speeches, but I think they get it, basically. Uh, I love, because you know I'm a camp person, and I'm going to be up at Camp Missouri on Monday, please God. I love your uh, your <laughs> your uh, analysis of how men and women do things differently, uh, especially the way they go to summer camp and the way they take care of their stuff in summer camp. And being that... Hask had their first day for campers yesterday, and so many camps, like like, like I just said about Missouri, start this coming week at the beginning of the week. There's going to be a lot of that, Charlie, in the next couple of weeks between now and visiting day, right? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> the guys are, are basically wearing the same clothes as they got off the bus. <laughs> That's just how it rolls. Like, especially if you got a kid under the age of 15, don't. You don't need to do laundry. And you're wearing what you put them on when, and you're you, when, te- you, when you left the house. And you're telling me the young ladies actually do change their clothing. That, and you know that. <laughs> that's that's the, what's what I get from my daughters. They, they're changing. I'm saying it's And hilarious. until they marry the boys, the boys are not changing. That's you know, that works. You know what I said to someone yesterday? Because we were talking about this. We were talking about your, your Hask speech, which I just referenced before. Uh, and I'll give the details in a minute. We were talking about it during the live lunch yesterday. And I said 
I said to my staff on the air, I said, you know, there's somebody that we know pretty well, really put together, nice guy, you know, like uh, certainly, you know, looks like a clean, regular guy, right? I said, when he was a staff member in cab, he never changed his sheet the entire summer, right? It was like, which you, of course, you and I know is very common, right? I, I said at the end of the summer, the sheet essentially started to disintegrate. Like there, there was about, there was that 30% of a sheet left on his bed, you know, when we got to the last night of camp, you know? So. <laughs> oh, totally. But when, when, when my kids go from camp, my wife has my, my girls' trunks, and they're all folded. And my wife take, basically takes my boys' trunks and throws out half of it. She's like, what happened here? I love it. I'll tell you, the timing couldn't be better with camp starting. All right, Charlie Harari's with us. What prompted this, aside from his usual presentations for us each week, was a speech that he gave to the staff at Camp Hask this week. And a lot of these jokes and references that I'm talking about now uh, with him, uh, he mentioned, but you had such an important message, and isn't it ironic that Rabbi Yudin just quoted what he did at the end of his uh, Dvar Torah this morning? Um, because you you basically told the staff, and this may sound harsh because you didn't put it this way, but I think you'll agree with me, you basically told the staff that the only thing holding you back from greatness is likely you. That oh, the- Absolutely. And, and you use the example, uh, and, I, and I don't want to go into too much detail because of the time, but you use the example of Yosef and his brothers, and the reason they didn't recognize him was because they had a certain filter, a certain lens that they were looking through, and they had convinced themselves, sort of like their mind played games with themselves, that they, they would, not ha- would never have believed that that's actually their brother, as obvious as it should be, but based on his looks and his voice, that they should be recognizing their own brother. And you said the way people perceive and see through their own lenses and through their own filters, the way they see things, very often is what holds us back from accomplishing things. And I just, you know, it's funny. I asked you to come on, really have no topic other than just thanking you for that message and, you know, getting your comments about it as so many of us uh, are are you know moving on to bigger and better things this time of year? Obviously, the Camp Hask staff would be among that group, and a lot of other people are graduating now. You know, from June and you know moving on to other things. And uh, I think your message is one that's really important to keep in mind if people want to accomplish as much as possible. Thank you, and I appreciate you saying that. And yeah, I mean, one of the greatest gifts we have that God gives us is the ability to see. And that's not just physically, it's something much deeper. And the greatest gift you can give somebody else is to see something in them that they didn't see in themselves. And I, I can I mean, I can tell you my own personal story, you know, not that I'm one to learn from, but um, I rem- last week I was in the supermarket with a guy, a, 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 an educator named Yotav Eliach. He runs a school in five towns. And I stopped him and I said, I want to tell you, when I was in 12th grade, in school, they didn't pick me to go on senior seminar because they didn't think I was a good enough representative or role model to the kids. And I was a tough kid, and I was whatever I was in high school. I was not the best student, to put it mildly. But I was broken that, like, the school wouldn't, like, think that I was worth, you know, I was a good guy. And he picked up the phone and called me, can you imagine, and said, what were they thinking? You're an incredible guy. Like, how could they not see past the fact that you can't sit in class, that you shouldn't be around kids? 
they were wrong. And I saw him last week, and I said, I got to tell you, that you did for me, I never forgot that. You saw something in me that no one in the world did. And as a result, I saw something in myself that no one did. And the ability to see the greatness in others and the ability to believe that Hashem sees that greatness in us, in the challenges and the opportunities he gives us, is the Before you get to God's role in this, which I do want to get to, obviously, and I want to get to the Modani quote, but before that, and you told the funny Warren Buffett story, which people, again, go to to YouTube, everybody, look at Hask, uh, Charlie Harari from the last couple of days, you'll you'll see it's worthwhile listening and watching. Uh, Is it only when someone else does it? In other words, if not for someone else opening one's eyes to their own abilities, would they ever discover it themselves? If they're looking for it. If they're looking for it, meaning you, you have to see it in yourself too. There's no question. That and you don't. And you don't necessarily need a friend or relative to point it out to you, or or a stranger, no. or a stranger. You don't necessarily right. no. need that to happen. No, you you can wake up in the morning and look at yourself and see it in yourself. Um, that that for sure, if you can do that. And then you the, said the, that the uh, that the again the next step is that we have to remember we were created by somebody who, who sees that in us every single day, and that is the Bechemla Rabba Emunasecha, and you and Rabbi Yudin just explained that that Rabba Emunasecha means that God has the faith in every human being, has the faith for them to realize their full potential, and that if, yeah. and I guess we could say if one, if one starts down that road, God's going to only encourage them as they continue, right? Absolutely, and in fact, one of the things that's very hard to say, but I believe is true, that the challenges that God puts in front of you are actually His way of believing in you. Now, I don't want to. No one should, should suffer in any way. Right. There should be no right. pain. And but, right. but most people, when they hit a challenge, the reason why they can't get past that challenge is because they think that they're being distanced from God, like as if they lost, like as if like if I were better or if this didn't happen, or this is bad luck, or God doesn't like me, or something along those ways. And that thinking is what gets them, blocks them from overcoming it. But if they would just flip it and say, wait a second, the Navy SEALs are given the hardest challenges, right? The, the Olympic athletes are giving the hardest op- obstacles. If God is giving me a challenge, what he's saying to me is, I know you may not think you can get through this. I believe you can. And by the way, and by, I'm sorry for interrupting, but by the way, that is when one is when one is designated as a low yutzlach, or one themselves, or they themselves go around saying, "Oh, woe is me, woe is me, everything always goes wrong." The same exact circumstances, another person might say, "Ah, here's where I thrive. Here's where things go right. Here's where I prove my worth, and I and I can march on to success." It's all in the in, in the way they view the challenges given to them. Oh, absolutely. And in fact, they did a study on startup companies, and what they found was that most startup companies had to what we call pivot, which means basically change. And the difference between the companies that make it and don't make it is not the money they had. It's the attitude. The company that says, we're going to do it, we'll just switch, we'll turn, we'll adapt, we'll keep on rolling, it'll be great. They make it. And the company that says, what? We, we, we're not success. What? We, we'll, this will never work. And, and that mentality is the most important.
important ingredient that you need for success is the perspective, like you said earlier, the perspective of I'm going to keep on going. I can do this. This is possible. There's something in me. I can't wait to bring something new out that never happened before. And you see it across the board. You see it across the board in health and in, in financial and spirituality in child raising that that perspective of I can when you see it in yourself and especially when you see it in others, that that's the difference maker in the end. Charlie Harari is with us on this Friday morning broadcast. Check out, go to YouTube, check out his speech to the staff at Camp Hask uh, before the campers came up this week. Um, you'll, you'll, you'll see a really comprehensive look at this message and hear some great stories. Um, I got to ask you a crazy question. Um, <laughs> and people sometimes say I focus on the calendar too much. Is it? I, I pointed out yesterday to my staff that sometimes we lose sight of the fact that so many people in our community are going through a transition right now because that whole school year thing, you know, June to July is a big change for teachers, for students, for graduates, for, you know, and, and for us, it's just, you know, going from June into July, it's just, you know, just another month of the year. And, you know, we sometimes forget that, you know, there's down times and, and up times, you know, in terms of when people are paying more and less attention because, you know, uh, because they're in a, an educational environment, let's put it that way, or an academic environment. Do, is it now for you, I assume that you're more similar to us in that you're, you're basically a 12 month a year guy at this point, who's essentially doing the same stuff in August that you're doing in February, I assume, right? With right. that, with that in mind, is it strange addressing the camp crowd during this big transition week for them when they're, you know, really setting everything they've done this school year completely behind them and embarking completely new on what for many of them is a totally new project? I love it. And in fact, I was actually talking to a Weinberger about it recently, about the air and how environment is so powerful to us. And the fact that there is this environment now of change, of growth, of potentials, it affects everybody. It affects what I do every day, even though it's very similar to what I did two, two months ago. But there is nothing more powerful than looking at people and seeing them feel like there's a possibility for something new. And the feeling that we have in June right now, for those who are not in camp or not in the academic world, try to tap into that because even if it's not happening every single day, the truth is every day of our lives, we should feel that way. Right. Like you told me this, Nachum, and I think about this all the time, that sometimes you wake up in the middle of the night and you're so excited to start your day. Right. And like that excitement of newness in Judaism, God wants us to feel new every morning, every night, every Shabbos. So that macro newness that we're all experiencing, really, if we just sort of focused on it, we can bring it into our lives and feel it every day. And that's how we're supposed to feel. That's how we become great. Interesting. I, it's funny how I said that yesterday without saying it the way you did, that we got to tap into that, that we have to, you know, for those of us who are, you know, 12 month a year people who are, again, essentially doing the same thing during the summer that we're doing, you know, in the middle of the winter, we, we've got to tap into that energy that the whole community is feeling right now of this renewal, a new season, etc. Um, and uh, I hope I'm successful at doing that, frankly. Sometimes you get bogged down and mired into the day-to-day. Sometimes it's hard to tap into the uh, to the refreshing part, <laughs> the refreshing part of the community, if you know what I mean. Yeah, and in fact, I mean, listen, in, in the world of in the Bali Hasid, they say all the time that the greatest, the greatest problem with a sin is that it convinces you that you're a sinner. 
right? The sin's gone. You did something wrong. You stumbled. You fell. Okay. The problem is you wake up in the morning and you're not new. You're supposed to wake up every morning. You're supposed to wake up every morning and go, today's a brand new day. Nothing, whatever happened, happened, right? Trust the future. That excitement of things are new happens when you see people that are getting married or they're starting a new college. When you see people step into a job for the first time, there's a, there's a freshness. We can manufacture that. I mean, it sounds crazy, but we could do it every day, right. for sure every week. Um, and if we did, we'd take what seems like a mundane life, and we would we would totally you know, enliven it. Right. And, and in a way, we're doing it when we say, Shechazarta binishmasi, right? We're, we're, yeah, we're, it's, it's one of the ways of doing it if we really uh, internalize those words. Anyway, uh, what can I say? I've said this to you before. You know, there's certain, certain presentations you make that really have a positive effect on me. I was driving back from a wedding job. I put it on in the I put it on in the car, and I, you kept me awake and you kept me inspired. Simple as that. I appreciate that. Thank you. I'm honored by that. Thank and by you. the way, I don't know. I I gotta check the midos of somebody who sits with a uh, a Boston fan and watches the uh, Giant uh, uh, Patriots <laughs> Super Bowl with them. I really, you know, I got I gotta start Listen, judging whether you're being too hard on those guys or not. <laughs> we have no rachmanus on anyone from Boston in football. That's it. There's no Like I said. They were once called Super Bowls, now they're called New England Invitationals. <laughs> <laughs> Hashem has shined his, his favor on Boston when it comes to football, so they, they deserve whatever they're going to get in the loss. By the way, check out Charlie's speech. You get to learn how he became a staff member at Camp Ask. Yeah. That's pretty yeah. fun. That's pretty funny also. And by the way, I lo- and I'm not disparaging any other academic institution. You know, my kids are split between many different colleges and stuff in terms of where they go, but the, 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 the comparison and the words that you had about you University were also amazing. So, yes, yeah. All right. Uh, I thank you. I thank you for everything. Thank Have a you. wonderful Shabbos and a great summer, a refreshing start to the brand new season. Amen. <laughs> Charlie. Honored to be part of this. I appreciate that. Shabbat Shalom. Charlie Harari, he is uh, with us Thursdays here at the Nalcom Single Network with Unlocking Greatness right after JM and the AM. And this week, we got to eavesdrop on his presentation to some young, amazing, incredible staff members at Camp Hask. You should check out that video on YouTube. It is time to say good Shabbos with Journeys at JM and the AM. The sun is going down It's shining through the trees Another week's gone by Become a memory So throw
Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio around the world, the web at NachumSingle.com, on the NachumSingle Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. Thanks so much for tuning in. Monday, Yoni Pollock is going to be sitting in. That's right, Yoni Pollock. You'll hear him between 6 and 9 Monday uh, in my place. Here at JM in the AM, and then you'll hear him again between 10 and 11 with After Further Review with the World of Sports. Yoni Pollock in Monday. I'm here Tuesday starting at 6 a.m. Make sure to be tuned in all through the day to all of our incredible programming. Have a fabulous Shabbos, wonderful weekend till uh, Tuesday for me. Nachum Segal reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.